Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I am Seth. As we head into hour two, it is a delight to do so. I was looking forward to this all day, as I do every Thursday, to do so with my good friend Sam Stone, political consultant. But you got, you got all the great guests today, Seth. It's like one after another coming I've got, in here. I've got three great men. Uh, I had uh, Major Pixler. I have you. And then uh, next hour, I don't know if you know Brian Kennedy. He used to be the president of the Claremont Institute. Uh, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we're friends and yeah, that I know him yeah. in that way, but I certainly know who he is. Yeah. And I, We've met once or twice kind of thing. And Your friend, yeah. we're going to talk about China. He heads the uh, Committee on the Present Danger, China. Uh, we're going to do that with Brian. So it's great. It's three three great men. It's a delight to have you, Sam. There's a lot uh, a lot I want to talk to you about uh, politically, uh, the goings-on here politically, locally, and nationally. Um, I'm not sure where to start, but what have you been tracking? Well, something I, I've actually kind of found really interesting this week is all of a sudden it really seems like this week has been the week when among the reasonable center and left, uh, the issues, the the trauma, the wrongness, I, I can't even get into all the words I would use to describe what is being done to young, confused children with this gender transition you know. ideology and the medical malpractice behind it. It is horrific what they're doing. It is completely wrong. I, I don't care what any, and we, we've talked about this on the air before, I don't care what any adult wants to do. If you're, if you're an adult in your right mind and you want to chop off your your hoo-hoos or your yeah. hee-hees, I mean, you know, okay. I, I think you're nuts, but okay. But to do this with children who are so impressionable and so vulnerable to peer pressure um, where we're seeing now circles of this in schools, this this gender, you know, I'm I'm gender transitioning tends to to it's infectious. Yeah. Where you see, you know, groups much like you did with um, um, they anorexia. call it a social contagion yeah. for a reason. Yeah, social contagion, contagion yeah, right. like anorexia, yeah. Uh, right. bulimia, right. suicidal ideation. Yep. Yeah. And so this week, really, though, there's been a lot of these transitioned teens over the last few years who are now coming out and telling their stories and saying this is just horror. You've seen some – there's a building wave of pushback to this, right? And then that's on on a very sort of grassroots, under-the-radar level that's going on. And then to contrast against that, you have everything going on with Dylan Mulvaney right. and Bud Light. Right. And a lot of people missed that the California legislature put up a bill, I believe it was yesterday, but it might have been a few days ago, that would allow the state to take children from their parents without warning or notice um, because they're not appropriately supportive and gender affirming, uh, which means it's gender- so Orwellian. Gender yeah. affirming means sex changing. Right. Yes. Orwellian. That's where I was. I was going to clarify yeah. when yeah. they say gender affirming in yeah. that sense. They do not mean like, hey, dude, you're a man. Be a man. Right. You know what they're talking Let's be about. Be comfortable is, as a girl that right. you were born. And it's not that. No, it is very much. 
than about whether you're going to allow them to medically transition. Now, what we've learned is this is one of the most profitable areas of medical practice in the world. Surprise, surprise. And you've seen actually now a lot of the European medical agencies start to roll back really fast on this. They're they're running away from this. They're saying, oh, my goodness, this was – this is a huge error we have made to allow this to go forward. We're pulling it back. What Again, adults can do what they want, but to do this with kids whose brains are forming, they're impressionable, their body chemistry and biology is not settled. You know, there's a great piece that Michael Schellenberger retweeted, and I, I'd highly recommend people look it up, but it's, it's from, a, I mean, an outlet I'd never heard of, like half the things that are out there today, uh, Plain Sight New Zealand. So plainsight.nz, young New Zealanders are being rushed into medical gender transition. And it uh, tells the story of, of Rachel, not her real name, obviously, started taking puberty blockers at 14, testosterone shortly afterwards, had her breasts removed at age 16. Her womb removed at age 18. But by age 22, she was swamped with regret and, quote, with time, I could have lived happily as a masculine lesbian woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What that's, I mean, that's not surprising to, I think, any normal, rational person that somebody who is confused and disturbed in their teens will come to a point by their 20s where they start getting clarity about who they are and what they're doing and where they're going in life. That's what's supposed to happen. But for these kids, they are having their lives ruined by this medical industrial complex and this gender gender ideology that is really there entirely for adult political purposes. And these children are the battlefield victims. They are the casualties of this war. And it, it needs to be pushed back on every right-thinking adult. Everyone in the world should be pushing back on this. And if you have children in California right now, Seth, huh? move. Yeah. Get out of that state. Yeah. Run. There's so much to say here. As usual, however, the sociopolitical avant-garde from the left is way ahead of the medical science. On this stuff. Huge. Way ahead. Yeah. Um, To its credit, The Economist this past week, not a very conservative journal. Well, it used to be a very balanced thing, and now now it's very lefty. Today, uh, well, not today, but this week, the issue dated, uh, what do we got here? There is a date on it, April 5th, 2023. The evidence to support medicalized gender transitions in adolescence is worryingly weak, is the headline. Mm-hmm. The sub-headline is the effectiveness and side effects of the most common treatments are not well understood. So when you hear these stats about if they don't do it, they're going to engage in suicide or they're suicidal and this was the only way to stop it, a lot of baloney. They go through all this research. It's a lot of baloney. And the point you made is well documented here. What Europe started is regretting. Mm-hmm. They are, as you said, rolling back fast. Yeah, in, in incredibly so, and 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 wisely. And I'm glad that the adults that in the room have prevailed in many of these European countries and are coming to the forefront. Um, what is going on here, though, is is astounding. With the left doubling and tripling down on this narrative and pushing this, I mean, you see this. 
there's no doubt in my mind that that legislation in California was directly related to the building pushback that is coming from some of these children who have been subjected to this. And so I I really think we I, I think the left hates truth tellers. Well, and that's and, why they censor or pass legislation. Yes, absolutely that. right. Um, but I think it's worse than that. Okay. I mean, I, I really think, as, as you know, and as I think all of the listeners out there who are understanding this, we are in a civil cultural war. Mm-hmm. It's cold, cold war at this point, mostly, right? I mean, we unless you go to a college campus, right? Uh, or, or you're the, I mean. The Tennessee school shooting, yeah. right? I mean, there are hot flashes in this Cold War. Um, the left is really devious on this, right? Because always they use this language that sounds very positive, and if you're against it, you know, you're bigoted and all these kinds of things. Um, but but this is different in many ways to me because of the long-term damage. You're destroying these children's lives before they're old enough to realize that their lives have been taken from them as pawns in your war. And, um, you know, look, we how old do you have to be to go into the military and risk your life for this country? You have to be 18, right? Right. right. Um, part of the reason to even for, choose your president, you have to be to even choose well, your state legislator or city councilman. You have to be. And, and part of the reason for that very clearly is because we don't expect people to be fully formed to make good decisions when they are teenagers. Um, and, you know, lots of people would argue that 18 might be. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually know, for raising all these might, things. might be a little questionable. Yeah, but, um, you know, it, it, it was a di- eighteen when it was set. Was a different era. It was a different eighteen. You know, when, when thirteen, eighteen-year-olds were much more mature. Yeah, yeah. Thir- we have infantilized our thirteen yeah. was sort of the the start of the transition to adulthood at yeah. that time, and now it's like thirty-three. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> if <maybe>, that <laughs> depends what household you grew yeah, up in, right, you know. Right. Um, but but so these the this to me is a different thing than almost anything else they're doing that it's it's more purely evil in that sense i'm with you on all of that and i want to pick up on it and i think the dylan mulvaney story and the riley gaines story are pertinent here i think they're a part isn't it by the way take the break and we'll come back on this isn't it interesting how much every story we're talking about has to do with this thing that no one talked about five years ago how fast and hard it's Let, come. Let's talk about why that is, too, when we come back. Sam Stone is my guest. By the way, we're happy to take your calls. He's in studio live, 602-508-0960. Sam and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Um Sam Stone is my in-studio guest, and we were talking uh, – well, we're talking about what we're talking about, which is everything from um, legislation in California that will uh, that will affect parental rights in the most extreme way where children who the parents don't want to transition can be held accountable for that and have their children well, taken from it's them. It's even worse than that. It's no. not just that don't want them to transition. If they just say, hey, I think you should take the time, some time before you go forward with a life-altering decision – even just that yeah. would be enough to trigger this to have them taken by the state. Yeah, that's their new definition of what constitutes abuse, um, parental abuse of children. Uh, except, except that we all know, by the way, right. that like every other state, and I, I mean this is 
universal in, in this country and as far as I know the world, there's plenty of actual child abuse that of occurs. Course, of course. And the state isn't taking those right. parents away. Right. I mean, taking those kids away from their parents. Right. They're actually not doing a, a decent job of protecting those children who are actual victims of abuse. And yet they're doing this. This is, this is not insanity. This is evil. I agree. And it's maybe evil wedded to insanity. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe criminally insane. One of the points I was thinking about, we, we left on the last segment this, this point, you know, five years ago, this wasn't a topic anywhere. Any of this, the Dylan Mulvaney stuff, the Riley Gaines stuff. So Dylan Mulvaney was nothing. a happy man until a year ago. Exactly right. Exactly. A year. And, um, now it's everywhere. Knows, it's it's but. dominating every story. I mean, it's dominating the college campus unrest. It's dominating stories like you see out of Nashville. It's dominating this issue with uh, corporate sponsorships. It seems to, it's dominating the California legislature. Others to soon follow, I'm sure, since California is the trendsetter. Um, I and it's been about five years. National Geographic, January 17, 2017 issue dedicated their front cover to a nine-year-old who transgendered and dedicated the whole issue to this being the new wave. A few of us said something about it and kept saying something about it and warned about it. Um, they ran with it, man. They ran hard and fast, and it seems everywhere now. Well, it's it's two things, Seth. And there's violence attached to there's, it. There's terrible violence attached to it. Um, there's terrible mental illness attached to it. I mean, more often than not, what you're dealing with here are, are young children who are going through mental illness. Um, but there are two powers behind this movement. And it's incredibly nefarious when you understand what they're doing and why, because it's all about money. And it's not anything to do with the happiness of any of these children or or affirming anything. It is absolutely about greed. Um, first, you had the LGBT lobby um, that won, right? I mean, this was a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar-a-year lobby that won. And they were on their way to winning when the Supreme Court stepped in and, ruled, you know, really kind of ruled out on it. And I, I terribly wish that hadn't happened because, um, for one thing, they were they were going to win. You know, I mean, they were on the way and they were doing it in the right way, which is by winning popular, actual broad-based popular support for the idea that, hey, look, any two adults who love each other and want to be married and spend their lives with each other, fine. I, I don't really object to that. I never have. I, I have a tough time saying, you know, if we offer government benefit to a man and a wife, that we shouldn't offer that to a man and man or woman and woman or just two friends who want to spend the rest of their lives living together and cohabiting who have no you know, sexual relationship. I mean, if we're going to offer co-domestic benefits, then then offer them. Um, leaving that aside, what happened when that, that won was you had this multi-billion dollar lobby that had to decide whether they were going to be out of a job or whether they would come up with a new imperative admission in this gender ideology garbage became the new imperative admission for this multi-billion dollar lobby. So now you have a multi-billion dollar lobby. Lobbying, by the way, a lot of these kids who are being pushed into transition are pretty much just gay kids. Yeah. So they're actually... You know, Which is why the original people who fought for that Supreme Court decision, your Andrew a Sullivan's, lot of them are coming out in your Jonathan Rauch's, yes. and they're saying, "I'm sorry, 
we spent our entire professional and intellectual careers trying to say it's okay to be gay. Yeah. Or it's okay to be a lesbian. I'm sorry. Why are you telling them it isn't? Right. That's exactly right. Um, and then behind that force is another even more financially interested one, and that is the hospitals and the drug companies. If you uh, – I was just reading a thing on this last night. If someone goes on puberty blockers when they're 13, they have to take them for the rest of their lives. Um, you are talking something like a million and a half dollars in drugs at current prices from the drug companies to, to keep them going through age 80. They have to. Have to. They have to. Otherwise, I mean, their bodies will. And, and then know. hospitals have found that these gender transitioning procedures, which are now being mandated under Obamacare and all this other garbage, and states are paying for. And you know, it's I mean, now an issue in the prisons and in the military. Right. Um, these are some of their most profitable procedures because they require huge amounts of follow up. They require constant visits. The problems that are coming with this. Um, I'm going to get a little graphic here, and, but. Having, Bill, having, Bill just turned Bill, in. Bill, Bill, just Bill, turned. Bill just got ready for the yeah. But having fake genitalia made does not make you a man. Likewise, having fake female genitalia made does not make you a woman. They're not the same thing. This is these are these are just sort of flesh sculptures, and they are really this is experimental, and nothing about this achieves what these children are being told they're going to achieve which is an actual physical transformation. It's simply a mutilation. And some of the stuff that's been coming out with some of the nurses who have been involved in this, who've, who've walked away from it and said, this is crazy. I mean, these effects that these children are suffering, many of these kids are having their lives drastically shortened. They will die within years or decades due to the complications from these procedures. The philosopher Hannah Arendt uh, wrote an essay in the 1950s on uh, education, and uh, she said uh, it is the fantastic caricature of, of uh, progressive education that we have now come to the point where it is the children who are being asked to change and improve the world on behalf of adults who intend to have their political battles fought out in the schoolyards. She was exactly right in the 1950s. She probably couldn't have seen this fight. She probably couldn't have seen changing nature or thinking you could change nature. She probably couldn't see that. But this is, Sam, something I want to talk to you on the other side about that I'm pretty sure, pretty sure we're going to look back at the way we look back at forced sterilization, the way we look back now at Tuskegee's experiments and that sort of thing. Let me put in a word for one of our sponsors as we go to break, and we'll come back on all of that. Sam and I are big fans of Y-Refi. They are offering up an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a portfolio, an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal. If you need your money back at any time, there are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm. They are local. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there many times. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. And when you meet with the team there, you'll see why I and Sam like them so very much. Check them out at investyrefi.com or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. 
With so many cracks showing up in the banking system and over $31 trillion in U.S. state, you can't just print more money like we're being told we need to. Venezuela did it, Zimbabwe did it, Argentina did it, and then all the defaults happen. But gold has never defaulted, and the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group will reinforce your po- portfolio. Call them to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold while you still can. I trust them with my account. I think a lot of you already do. I know Seb Gorka does as well. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail. You think about Silicon Valley and Signature and Credit Suisse Bank's Midas Gold Group believes we are in the early stages of a growing crisis and the Fed's higher interest rates are your cue to create your own bank with real money, which is gold. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. The Midas Gold Group Gold, you can hold your vault of confidence. Sam, you want to take a call or two? Sure. Uh, Frank is in Phoenix. Frank, you're on with me and Sam Stone. Oh, uh, happy thir- uh, Thursday. Yes, it I is Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just have a couple of quick notes to make. Uh, I'm actually writing a book on LGBT issues and how they affect issues. And... Um, we have such a bad connection, Frank. Is there anything you can do about it? It's a really bad connection. Yeah, here, hold on. Okay. Let me. Yeah, I'm getting about every third word of that. Yeah, you want to call us right back? Okay, here. Call us right back, Frank. Thank you, uh, Sam. Um, the other part that's interesting to me um, is the adult part of this, and it's the Dylan Mulvaney thing. You know, I don't know. I think society generally is going to take a few years before it looks back on these things the way we look back at things like sterilization and racialization and segregation and the Tuskegee. I mean, I think we're going to look back and regret it. I have a feeling, though I'm not certain, Budweiser may look back in about a month and regret what they're doing. Well, I don't know, though. So, I don't know. So there is some data that show, that suggests that sales for, from distributors yeah. are down about 50% on tap, uh, tap products and 20% on bottle products. Yeah. Um, that's a very significant thing. Now, we'll see if it holds. I mean, I've sort of made fun of our side a little we're bit. Good for a month. Yeah, we're, we're good for a month. Yeah, we're good for protesting yeah, stuff for yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah, maybe a couple um, of weeks. But everyone has their Disney Plus subscription right. back now because yep. the Mandalorian's yep. out. So, yep. you know, I mean, that's that's yep. the weakness we have on our side is, is look, we we like capitalism. We like the products these companies offer. I, I'm not going to, you know, not going to decline a Bud Light. It's not my first choice, but someone hands me a Bud Light on a hot day, I'm drinking it. Um, now I'd probably hesitate, but I mean, this is the problem we have on our side. Um, Dylan Mulvaney is an interesting case, by the way. I, I, I'm going to probably get myself in trouble there. I don't believe I don't believe a single thing about that play actor. I, there is something burlesque about it. I, isn't I, think, there? I think that entire thing is an act. It looks, I, I think it, this is a it grifter. doesn't look real at all. No, I think that is an absolute. And no one wants grifter. to say. I'm glad you said it. No. There is something about that that just can't possibly be real. No, and I don't is, know how women can look at that and think I'm glad he or she represents me this, as a woman. This is a play actor. It seems this like is a it. play actor. This is someone who was irrelevant and elevated themselves into the mainstream conversation as making millions of dollars because they did this huge public thing. I don't believe one word of what that person says. 
don't buy it at all. That is it's hard just to accept, isn't grift. it? Now that's if a you're grift. being honest and you watch these videos, I've, and, I've seen enough of, yeah. of Dylan Mulvaney to yeah. believe that person is. But a hell of a grift got a meeting with Joe Biden oh, that it, lasted it's, it's about an hour. It's a multi-million dollar, high-level political societal grift, um, and I, I'm I'm not buying it one bit, not at all. Well, I'll tell you what. If uh, it comes out, I mean, look, you can't avoid it. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. If 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 it comes out that this has been one big bad shell game or hoax, I guess is the better word for it, that this burlesque is in fact a burlesque. If it comes out, that may be the end of the movement. That just may be the end. Well, of and it. that would be fantastic. But I think a lot. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you remember the story of the um, the shop teacher. I forget what state it was yeah. wearing these like massive prosthetic right. Uh, right. breasts, right. you know, into shop class. And it turns out they weren't actually dressing that way outside of work. Yeah. It was a way to not get fired when they were on their way to get fired. Yeah. I think Dylan Mulvaney is a, a grift on a whole nother level, but it's a grift. There was cultural misappropriation. There was racial misappropriation. There was ethnicity misappropriation. We might be seeing sexual misappropriation. We might. We might. I think, I think you are. Stolen gender, right, Bill? Not stolen valor. Stolen sex. Stolen gender. Sam and I will be right back. Folks, with all the problems the Biden administration is uh, throwing at you with regard to the economy and the bank failures and, of course, uh, possible recession on the horizon, market volatility, Y-Refi is here to offer you the invest an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not tied to the Fed or the stock market. It's a portfolio and an investment. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Think of that freedom. No fees, a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. Y-Refi is based here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there a bunch. And I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team, Y-Refi, you'll see why I like them so much. As I say, they offer up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888 why refi thirty four eight eight eight? Why refi thirty four? I think Frank called back. Should we give him a shot? Yeah, let's let's see if we get a better connection. Hi, Frank. Time. You're on with Sam. Hey, uh, sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, much that, better. That is much better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I just got a couple of quick points to make. I'm, I'm actually writing a book, and I'm not trying to sell it or anything uh, about LGBT issues, LGBT issues, and Christianity. And uh, I've done a. I, I have two engineering degrees, and I've done a ton of research and. I just wanted to point out there's kind of this quiet inference that, you know, well, we've got a bunch of gay children and they're born gay. But the overwhelming research that we have now is that it's learned behavior. And uh, it's almost to the point where it shouldn't even be, you know, argued. Uh, and I've done a, I've read a, a bunch of different studies on this. My second point is, is that there's another thing that conservatives tend to do. They think, well, you know, it's okay to, you know, legalize gay marriage. It's okay, you know, to legalize gay benefits and stuff like this. The problem with that is, is that you can't legalize one gender identity without legalizing them all. 
And, you know, what's going to happen is that the same exact legal precedents for homosexuals that you guys sometimes are saying is okay, are okay or we understand, and, you know, they're going to be used for all of the 60-plus other gender identities in court. All right. Thanks, Frank. Sam? Uh, well, I think I, I mean, I think Frank makes some valid points. Um, I want to go back to what I was saying specifically on there the, uh, around gay marriage. I tend to be a fairly libertarian type. Here's my view on gay marriage. And, and this was has been my view for 20 plus years. As long as you're going to offer government benefits attached to something, then those benefits have to be offered to everybody, period, without question. So if we wanted to not recognize gay marriage on a national level – which I, I actually was kind of advocating for at the time. It's just simply get government out of marriage, period. I don't understand why government has to have a role in marriage. The reason they do, if you, if you actually go back in history, this the reason governments are involved in marriage at all is due to a, a dispute between the Church of England and the King of England um, and the fact that the king wanted to be able to maintain the roles of who lived in their kingdom for tax purposes – well, the church wanted to be able to maintain them for essentially the same purpose. Um, and so, you know, this this really ties back to economics in a, in a very old sense. There's no reason to do that. I, I, I can't speak to the research he's talking about there in terms of how people are born. I, I only have the experience of one cousin who we all knew by age four was – he wasn't like the rest of us. Yeah. And he's a very happy gay man now yeah. as an adult. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I look back on it and think if someone had tried to tell him – if he had done all the things he did at that time, they would have tried to gender transition him in this time. Sure. Because this kid was always running sure. around wearing heels and, and mom's clothing and dresses and makeup and this stuff and he never wanted to play with masculine toys. Um Today they would be trying to transition him. They would, and they would yes. be they would be doing real harm. That's right, and they would be working to throw Fred Rogers, Mister Rogers' neighborhood, off the air for his songs and poems and lessons about uh, what boys should be proud of and what girls should be mm-hmm. proud of. They would never air um, the Marlo. They would never make the Marlo Thomas "Free to Be You and Me" album that was sponsored with the MS or Miss. Not the MS, Ms. Ms. Foundation, the Gloria Steinem Foundation. None of that would be allowed. And if you want to talk about slippery slopes in this area, I will tell you, I think it started about 20 years ago with this notion of toxic masculinity Mm. where we started telling boys to be ashamed of their gender. Yeah. You know, I I agree. I think think a lot of this has to do with who runs schools, which are historically very much a women-dominated industry kind of thing. Um, and you know, look, I, children are horrible to each other. So a lot of people in, who are running schools have bad memories of their own schooling and want to fix it for everybody else. Yeah. Um, which is a terrible instinct because actually a lot of those conflicts are necessary for quality growth. Of course. You have to, you have to learn to, to deal with adversity. Emotional and bone density turns out to be important. Yeah, no, those actually are important, yeah. important things. Um, I'm going to ask you a little question here, Seth, but how much of this issue ties back to this sort of fundamental misunderstanding uh, and the push for equity versus equality? Yeah. Because equality between the sexes doesn't mean that they have to be identical. Right. 
It means they can celebrate their differences. Women can love being women. Men can love being men. They have the same rights. That. They have the same rights and they have the same opportunities in terms of whatever right. they can achieve versus equity. There's no discrimination. That's what equality really means. Right. Versus equity, which says all the outcomes have to be the same. And at that point, it is you know anti-equitable no. if men and women are different, which they are. And so they're they're tied up in this really – anti-scientific loopiness at this point. I think you put your finger on it when you started talking about the schools too, Sam. Uh, Starting in the early 1970s, um, the pedagogy changed, at least, let let me rephrase that. Teacher's education changed. And one of the most popular books was a book titled The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. It was written by a Marxist named Paulo Ferrer. And the notion that teaching could be a subversive activity, uh, the person who actually wrote that book, Teaching as a Subversive Activity, changed his mind and uh, wrote a, a, a completely antithetical thesis about 25 years later, how wrong he was that we were changing children. We saw education and the purpose of changing children. You think about this Marxist, Paul Ferrer, his book is is dominant in ed schools right now. Daniel Buck has written a lot about this in the Wall Street Journal and in his own book. He's a teacher in Wisconsin. And if you think about him being Paulo Ferrer and his teaching being informed by and and from a Marxist perspective, this is Marxism. This is neo-Marxism applied to gender ideology. Remember the notion from Karl Marx was that we could overcome nature, which is to say we could become gods. And that is what this is ultimately all about. That's exactly right. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Really a great privilege and pleasure having you in studio with us, Sam. Uh, What's something we should be on the lookout for as we close out the hour? Well, the debt ceiling, it's kind of gone out of the news, but it is still hanging out there. Negotiations are ongoing. And the uh, House uh, Republican Main Street Caucus, which is made up of 70 members of the Republican House in in Washington, came out. Liberal Republican group. Yeah, I mean, you know, centrist Republican, okay. if you want to call them that. But, you know, look, 70, per, 70 of 222 members. What is that, like 31.5% or something? Yeah, yeah. nailed oh, it, man. Okay. Good right. math. All right. Um, you're right on point. Yeah, third, <laughs> so it's about a third, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that's not nothing. And they came out today with some ideas. If you're going to raise the debt ceiling requirements to tie to it. And remember, we're not sure we can stop this. You know, all it takes is a couple of defections right. in the House. Right. So you have to you have to play very carefully on this front to not end up with an open-ended debt ceiling increasing. But they came out with a, a number of ideas today, things like limiting non-defense discretionary spending increases to 1.5% per year for the next 10 years, uh, create a bipartisan spending commission, uh, mandatory spending commission to look at Medicare and Social Security, um, work requirements for uh, SNAP benefits and, uh, and other uh, – entitlements. Um, and then one of the things they put in there is uh, an Act H.R. 1, the Lower Energy Cost Act, which is the, the number one priority of the House uh, Republican Caucus. That would be a great thing yep. for the economy and yep. really help us. Um, but one of the last ones they put in is reducing regulatory overreach. Congress must reassert oversight of the rulemaking process by requiring specific congressional authorization of major rules. 
and packages via the RAIDS Act. That has been on the books. It's been unenforced. And it is the single biggest failure of our Congress, of Republicans in Congress, is to take on their role in actually pulling back on some of these regulations. Joe Biden just this week announced EPA regulations that are basically the end of the internal combustion engine, right. um, which is not practical at this time. I mean, maybe 20, 40, 50 years from now it is. I can't speak to that yet. Neither can Joe Biden or any bloody person in that White House. They do not know. They're trying to drive the economy with policy making and, you know, essentially trying to create outcomes. This is communism. It's also just idiocy. Mm-hmm. The technologies are not prepared for this transition. This is a cratering of our economy we're witnessing. And, and I'm glad to see the centrist Republicans there looking at that as one of the yep. things that they need Good. to do to include in that debt ceiling. That's where they should be focused. That's where centrist Republicans should focus that, that their is, stuff. That Stick to the economics. That has always been the value that they have brought you to bet. the party, and, and I'm glad to see them bringing good. it back. Good, good, good. Hey, Sam, thanks. Oh, thanks for being here. Thank you. By the way, put in a word for your show, Breaking Battlegrounds, heard every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. A great show. Tune in. Make sure, make sure you catch all the great guests. We have more this week. Thank you, Sam Stone. Uh, Brian Kennedy on China coming right up.